0: God bless you. This, this series, we've been doing it on prayer, and I hope you've enjoyed the different pastors putting devotionals online. You know, when we talked about doing that and putting the devotionals on as a team, we talk about kind of how strategy and what we're doing. And one of the guys came up and said, you know, maybe we should use something somebody's already done. And I said, you know what? I just want you to share your heart each day, whatever that is. So when you're reading those, you're reading what there is coming out of their hearts. And so like even, for instance, what Pastor Nick put on today, I just, I just, it resonated with me. So if that's helping you in your twenty minutes of prayer for twenty days, I hope so. I hope that is working. Um, <laughs> somebody sent me a, a text earlier today or last week, and they said, "So if I'm praying, and then my mind kind of wanders off on something else, and then I come back, does that still count for the twenty minutes?" And then they put that little meme on there that asking for a friend. You know, and I'm like, <laughs> well. Um, it's not about, like, nobody's keeping score. This is all about you building your relationship with Christ. That's what it's about. So don't, don't get hung up on that kind of thing. But today we're going to talk about something that may feel like we're coming at it from a whole different direction, because we are. I'm just curious. Have any of you noticed that the world doesn't seem right? Yeah. I'm not talking about politics. I'm not talking about a lot of things you might be, maybe your mind thought of. What I'm talking about is the fact that <clears throat> it just seems like it could be different. And maybe you've thought about this, and, and really, that's why we have so many maybe science fiction shows or fantasy shows or ideas, because I think as human beings, we sit back a lot of times and think, what, what if it was like this? I mean, couldn't, wouldn't that have been okay or been better? I mean, do you ever wonder why it is that good times don't last forever? I mean, why do we have problems at all? Why, did, why does it have to get bad? Or, You know, it's incredibly cold out there today, and the sun is shining, which is nice, but could it be sunny all the time? Or maybe you've thought about this. Couldn't, couldn't we have a world where people just don't hurt each other and countries get along and help each other instead of taking each other's boundaries and land? And I, I've been thinking about this a lot this week because we're celebrating Reverend Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday tomorrow. And when we celebrate his day, and I think about his dream and I, I think about those pictures, and I don't know if you've ever listened to his, that speech there at the, at the mall in Washington, or if, um, if you've never done this, I encourage you to. There's a lot of his sermons are online. Powerful, absolutely powerful. And I think about that dream, and I think, why is it so hard for us to not realize that dream? Why can't we see each other for who the character that's inside instead of what's on the outside? It just... It just grieves me that we are still not there and that there's people even in our own country and certainly in the world where race and color is more important than all those things. It just drives me crazy. We live in a world where human trafficking is still a reality. Slavery happens today. And I don't know if you've heard this before. It was kind of sad to hear. I mean, but I don't know if you're aware that Kansas City is actually a hub for that. Because where we're located in the country and the train system and all the the bus, I it's it's really spooky to think that this is happening right here. People are coming to this country and maybe they're brought over the border, you know, by a coyote or something, and they're brought over with promise of work, and then they have to pay off that work, and they end up being basically servants, and they have no recourse. Or in the in the in the sex trade, and they're caught in that and abused, and lives ruined and just kills me to think that the image that god put in them is destroyed by another human being and it happens today there's some estimates i mean slavery's always been a part of the human condition but they they say that it's possible there's actually as much today as at any time in history and it's mind blowing to think that how can that be i think about it and i know that it breaks the heart of god see so he looks at that and that's not what he planned. that's not the world he created. When he created it, it was good. He didn't create it to be this way. So when I ask you, does' it seem like the world is out of order and that something's not right? I know you know that's true because it's intrinsic. You know it's true when you see that there's kids without fathers or you know jobs are lost, and people don't have enough to eat and War ravages parts of the world. It's just mind-blowing to think that there's children who grew up, and all they've known is war. All they've known is devastation and bur- burned-out buildings and blown-up things. I remember in, in college, I did a missions trip for a couple weeks in Brooklyn in the Bed-Stuy neighborhood, and we would go through these buildings that were just ravaged. Unbelievable. And I was asking some of the kids that we were working with, how long has it been like this? And, and you can imagine, you know, an eight-year-old says, forever. For him, that's forever. It's His forever is eight years. It's all he's known. All he's known. I was asking one lady, why don't you move? And I know that sounds so naive. She goes, move where? How would I get there? What would I do? Kids grow up without peace and safety and security, and kids lose their parents, and I think at George and Mary Simons and their effort to adopt these kids from Ukraine. They've been, they've been here each summer for the last couple of years. And these kids were pastor's kids. And their, their mom died and then their dad died. And now they live in an orphanage. And their life is rough, rough, rough. And I know, I know that they've got a fundraiser going to help raise money for them to be able to adopt those kids. They would literally be saving these children's lives. It shouldn't be that way. Parents shouldn't bury their own kids. Kids shouldn't die before their parents. I've had to bury a lot of children over the years. People ask me, what's the worst funerals you ever do? Uh, Suicides are definitely the worst. But kids, and why is that? Because intrinsically we know that's not how it's supposed to work. You're supposed to live a full life and have your whole sound mind the whole time and, and die peacefully in your sleep. I mean, I think we all have kind of that sense that's how it's supposed to be. It's kind of got serious quick, huh? <laughs> but you know deep inside the world isn't right. This isn't how it was supposed to be. You know from your own experience and you it violates your sense of internal justice and you know that this isn't the way it should be and... What I'm describing and what I've tried to illustrate for you this morning is literally the story of the Bible. And some of you are like, "Wait a minute, Pastor, does how? Can, that's not true. That's not how the Bible goes." Actually, it does. That is how it goes. And we say this a lot, but it's it's the Bible is actually the big story that informs every other story. John Elders in his book, Epic, he, he pointed this out in such a brilliant way. It's, it's the story behind almost every movie you've ever seen, every novel, every everything, every sitcom. If you think about it, the, the world was good. Something evil came in or an evil person or a villain and destroyed what was good. And then there had to be a hero to come set things right. But before they could set things right, there had to be a time of training or... Or some heroes had to be convinced, or you had to find the hero, or maybe a group had to get together and go on a journey, or something had to happen, and then the world was set right. Things are good, and a villain destroys. God made it good, He made it perfect. And then we spoiled it with sin. That's the story of the Bible. And then he, he's the one we celebrated today with communion. He brought the salvation that we couldn't bring for ourselves in the person of Jesus Christ, him dying for our place, in our place. And then part of that redemption is then we, with him, set the world right. Maybe you never thought of it that way, like you're waiting for somebody else to do it, but, but he actually includes us in the battle That's why as we look around and we see things like the human trafficking and the kids in Ukraine and whatever it is, we see that it's up to us to do as much as we can do to help set this right. He will ultimately set it all right in the end, but we're right now in the middle of that process of redeeming what was there. And you might ask, and it's a fair question, well, why did he let it go so wrong? Why did sin even happen? Why did it come in in the first place? And why is it like that? Why why did it have to go so far as him sacrificing his son? It's, it's actually a simple answer, but it's, it's complex to think through, but it's simple. The reason was love, and you might be thinking, wait a minute, that doesn't sound very loving. It actually is, because for, for you to have free will, for you to have love, means that you have to actually choose him. You can't be forced to serve him or coerced. That's not the way that God does things. Now, he does, he does draw you. He does woo you. He sets up circumstances for you to choose him, but you have to choose. And in the very act of you choosing, what that means is that you can choose good or you can choose evil. And there it is. And you may be thinking, Pastor Dennis, wait a minute. We're talking about prayer in 2020. Did you forget? No, actually, I didn't didn't forget. I didn't forget. We're still talking about this. In fact... You also may be thinking, it's kind of too real for a Red Sunday service today. And we are going to have fun later. We do have Casey Wolf here. We have some giveaways. It will be fun. But but it's actually part of this prayer. And maybe you never noticed it before, but it's right in here. So this then is how you should pray. Let's, let's go ahead and say it together again. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from eat the evil one. Did you catch it? He, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The first thing I noticed there is, why are he gonna have us pray for something that's already happened? The reason he has you pray for his kingdom to come is because it's not fully come yet. It's not quite here. In theology, we call this the already but not yet. Because Jesus was here, he told him to pray that prayer. He's the king, but it's not fully realized. And as his kingdom spreads and grows in each person, that changes everything and we are part of the process. But the thing you need to understand first is his will isn't completely being done here everywhere you look. It's not his will that anybody has cancer. It's not his will that children are abused. It's not his will that children die before parents. None of that's his will. The thing is, what he wills will come about, but it takes time and a process here. Think about John 10.10. It's the enemy that comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. What's interesting about this, too, is this is kind of geeky stuff. Maybe some of you are into this. Maybe not. But Matthew was writing to Jews. Jews had some certain things they did in literature a lot. One of them is called parallelism. So what they would do is repeat and reword things that go together. So your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, that rhymes in English. It doesn't rhyme in Greek, which is what this was written in originally. But what he's saying is when your kingdom comes, your will will be done. What he's saying is, where your will is done, that's where the kingdom has come. The kingdom is the place where your will is done. What he's doing right here is he's wanting you to understand is that as his will is done, then his kingdom influence. It's like this. A king's influence only goes so far in the kingdom. But where that influence goes, his will is done. And think about it like this, again, if we're kings, if he's a king and going back to medieval days and you're going to expand his influence, what that means is each of us have to take a part of the kingdom and relate to the king and do things like the king would want, and then we spread the kingdom. We literally become the thing that spreads his kingdom. So as we pray, your kingdom come, we make his kingdom come. We make that happen. (laughs) It's amazing where he reigns, his will is done. Now, it can mean a lot of things, too. You can read it a different way. It could be that Jesus is saying, pray for my return, because he's the king, and he's going to come, and that's true. What we're praying for is God's right and just rule. What we're praying is where things aren't right, they need to be made right, and we need to be praying for those things to happen. (laughs) What's what's interesting is he's going to make things that are going to be truly just and truly fair. Not not by some cultural idea or what's new and the latest idea of what's fair, but what's truly fair, the actual fair thing. Here's what we're praying for. We're praying for God's rule in the heavens. We're praying for God's rule on the earth. We're praying for God's rule in the kingdoms and the governments. We're praying for God's rule in people and in their attitudes, in their actions, in their hearts, in their wills. You know where it starts? It starts with me, with me with me it starts with me i was gonna put you but i thought it might be better to put me so if we seek the kingdom of god above all else and live righteously he will give you everything you need (laughs) i skipped something there i'm sorry it starts with me you may be thinking wait a minute starts with me how can it be just me But here's how it works. The thing is, as we change as individuals, then we start to change the way we treat each other. Then that changes them, and then that changes them, and then ultimately the whole kingdom gets changed. But it starts with you. And as I said a minute ago, it is that already but not yet. It's the idea that it's happening, but it's not quite there. He's actually enlisted us to fight for him in his kingdom. But remember this, he's not going to violate people's will as you go about. You can't actually make people become Christians. It's not a religion that is spread by force. What it's spread by is you changing as an individual and you decide to give him the authority in your life. And then when you lay down your will, your choices, your authority to the king, you become part of his kingdom. That's how it works. Believe me, he... He draws people. He does. He loves people more than you. And there may be people you're thinking, oh, they need Jesus so desperately. And they do. But you need to know this, that he is working where you can't even imagine, in ways you can't even imagine. He's orchestrating circumstances, and he's orchestrating conversations, and he's orchestrating chance meetings. I hate air quotes, by the way. (laughs) It's just like they get overused, you know, and people do them all the time but I did it on purpose right there because I don't know that there's ever a chance meeting. Do you? Is it possible, let me just ask this, is it possible that maybe the house you live in, you bought not because it was on the street it was or the neighborhood it was or the schools it was or the way it looked or you liked the layout? What if God influenced you buying that house because the lady next door needs him and you are the one that can reach her, where nobody else could, her family couldn't, nothing else that has happened in her life would reach her, but because you mow her lawn, or maybe you pick up her dog poop in your yard that's irritating, but you serve her, and that love is the thing that opens her heart to God, who loves her enough to put you there next to her, that's what he does, he does that kind of thing because he he's, he's wants people to come to know him, Now, he controls major events, but ultimately with the individual heart, it's your choice. What we're supposed to be doing is to pray that heaven on earth, that earth looks a lot more like heaven, that things are in line with who he is. That's why I put the scripture up here, seek the kingdom of God above all else, live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. You should be praying this for your friends, for, for your family, for your church, for your school, for your city, for the, the whole government, for the United States, for the nations, for people who are unreached, for people who are persecuted, for the missionaries that are around the world, for those who are Christians in other places who are persecuted, for, for, for churches all around our neighborhoods. I hope you do this. I, I, I forget sometimes, but I try to do this. You know, so many churches I drive by every single day. Just go into my own house. I drive by churches. And you do too. And as I do, I just pray that God would bless them. And that they would have influence in their neighborhood. And that they would the people in those churches would be growing in their relationship with Christ. And the reason I do that is because we're all part of this kingdom. And as we spread this kingdom, lives will be changed. And they'll be changed forever. They're going to be changed. What we really need is his kingdom. We need his kingdom. And that's when things will change and when those that are addicted to substances or pornography or abused or enslaved or or people who are hungry or homeless, that's when those lives also get changed because of the kingdom. (laughs) Sometimes it's funny, you know, we kind of give up and we're praying this thing and we know what God should do and then we say, but you know what, your will be done. Here's what you never need to forget. His will is absolutely the best thing that could possibly ever happen. When you pray his will, you're praying the best possible thing. It may not look like what you think, but it is the best thing. His will is really what we need. So when you're praying that his kingdom come, you're praying that his will would be done in these people's lives. And it would be the perfect, best possible thing. You know what praying that way teaches us? It teaches us quite a few things, but here's something it teaches us. Number one, your heart toward people changes when you pray for them. Because I know a lot of times I pray for the people I like, right? And sometimes forget to pray for those other people. You know what I've started doing? Even I pray for people in the news. I pray for for even, uh, you know, celebrities. It's amazing what God will do because he cares about them. He does. He loves them in their heart and soul, and he wants them to be changed. And what that does is it changes you. It's really hard to pray for somebody and not care about them. You may not start caring about them, but the more you pray for them, the more you will care about them. I promise. Next thing it does is it internalizes the burden because it's really easy and it's tempting to just walk around and have no cares, no worries, right? No brain, no headache. You ever heard that? I don't want to bother with all these problems in the world, but you know what? If I'm going to be a kingdom person and I'm praying that God's kingdom will reign, then that means that his heart becomes my heart. Because the king cares, I'm going to care. And he cares about these things. And as I pray for those things, it changes. And it makes me, helps me own, have ownership in the mission. And it also becomes more of me being a partner with him in the mission. Think about this. It's, a, it's interesting because at times you may wonder, where do I fit? Or why, why would I even want to be part of that? Let me, let me just give you this illustration about that. Because... The thing is, we all fit in different ways, and the places we fit and where we fit may change from time to time, and it may not be super obvious at times, but as you pray for those things, God puts it on your heart to care and to care in a different different way. So really, one of my heroes, a guy named Howard Hendricks, he taught at Dallas Theological Seminary. He was, he was Teacher of the Year a number of times. He also pastored in the area there in Texas. And he writes this in in one of his books. He talks about this. When he was a pastor, they were having trouble finding a teacher for the junior high boys. Go figure. And a list of prospects only had one name. And when they told him who it was, he said, you've got to be kidding. But he couldn't have been more wrong about that young man, he said. Because he said the young man took the class and revolutionized it. And he wanted to find out what he had missed. So he invited the young man to his home for lunch. And he asked him, what's the secret to your success? So he said that the the, the young man, he pulled a black book out of his pocket. And on each page, he had a small picture of one of the boys. And under the boys' names were comments like having trouble in math. Another one, comes to church against his parents' wishes. Another one, wants to be a missionary someday. Another one, he doesn't think he has what it takes. And he said, I pray over these pages every day. And then I can't wait to get to church to see what God has done in their lives. Like, oh my goodness, that's an amazing thing. That, that shows you the heart is what matters there. And he cared about those kids, and God printed them on his heart. You know what a prayer prayer like this does? It also forces us to wait. I know how things should be done, and I've got an agenda and an order for how they need to be done. And as many times as I've informed God of my agenda, he, he usually has his own. And if I'm honest with you this morning, his own is usually pretty good. I just didn't see it till it worked it out that way. So there's a lot of times as I'm praying for things, what he does is he gives you a certain sense of peace and patience in the middle of the struggle. Because I've got a way that I think it should be done, but we serve a God who actually knows more than I do. You don't have to be that affirming in that. I also believe this, that what prayer does, it opens our spiritual eyes because we see things differently. If you spend time praying for people and their needs and their situations, what happens is you, in partnership with God, he speaks to you and you start to see things differently. It's super easy to only see things from a human perspective. And we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You may see someone who's quiet and just assume, well, they're stuck up and angry or mean or whatever. And then you find out later it's nothing like that. Maybe they were an introvert or maybe maybe they just had something going on or there was something on their mind. And you, we make a snap judgment based on what we see. And the fact is, as you pray for people, God tells you things and shows you things and puts a thing in your heart that makes you care more about him. What it does is it align our heart, aligns our heart with God's heart. I have, again, priorities and things I think need to be done. There's times where I am off, and what God wants done is the right things. And it's his heart that I want to follow, his heart. Prayer reminds us of who's in charge, who's actually in charge. Because maybe you figured this out, but we're not. Have you figured that out? (laughs) We're not. Puts things in the proper perspective. Because sometimes I I go around and, and think through issues or think about this and think about that. And I've got a way that I think it should work. But then in reality, his way of making it work is the right way. What it does is it makes me realize that I need him more and more every day. I... I hope I never get to the point where I think I don't need him or I've got it all figured out because I never have and I never will. He does and I need to put myself in that position to rely on him. That way when things come in that, that shake you or shatter you or make you question or make you wonder, go to him because I can't fix it and I'm not in charge, he's in charge. He's the one that makes it work. got one more verse here for you. (laughs) I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in them you'll produce much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. I want you to shut your eyes with me for a minute before we go on with the rest of today. I know that there's some people in here and maybe you have been trying to do this all on your own and that because of that you've been frustrated and maybe things haven't been working out the way you think or or maybe there's people in your life who you just desperately want them to change i want to take just a minute with you and i want to pray with you a very simple prayer and what it's going to do is just basically say god we want your will to be done because that's the best possible possible thing Before we even do that, though, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm wondering if there's anybody in here. Maybe you've been to church. Maybe not. Maybe you've still got questions. That's okay. God's not afraid of doubt at all. In fact, doubt in the right place leads us to ask questions and then find answers, and it's a good thing. But maybe you're here and you're thinking and you're hearing all this, and you've seen communion and you've heard me talk about the fact that he paid the price for us. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, If this is all true, then you want to turn your life over to him and you would be saying his will be done. If that's you today, we'd love to pray with you. If you would like to turn your life over to him today, anybody at all, if you just raise your hand and we'll pray with you. Anybody at all. I do see that hand in the back there. Any other hands? All right, if you raised your hand and I didn't see it, that's okay because we're going to all pray together. And even if you didn't raise your hand, but you mean and are sincere about this, God is so gracious. He'll come into your heart. He will make you new and change your life forever. Would you all pray with me this prayer? If you just repeat after me, Father God, sorry for the things I've done that were wrong. I want you in my life. I want you in my heart. I want you to forgive me and make me new. In Jesus' name, amen.